Welcome back, folks, to the Six Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association. It's yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emory Real Sports Section, and Aaron Pearlstein from Fanner Active. Back after his uh, his little bout with illness. Hello, guys. How are you? Okay, so this podcast was broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So tonight, it's the one night of the year that Knicks fans can be optimistic about their team. Obviously, I'm talking about the NBA draft. So Aaron and I will give our loyal listeners a player-by-player analysis on every player your favorite team will select in this year's first round. Aaron, start us off. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first pick's going to be Zion, but I'm not yeah. positive. Yeah, I mean, I it's, not that... like I'm, it's not like I'm looking on Twitter and the Pelicans are already posting about how Zion likes New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the worst-kept secret in the NBA. Yes. So with that being said, the first pick, the New Orleans Pelicans are going to select Zion Williamson from Duke. The the Duke phenom that is a manimal, to say the least. He's 6'7", 285. He is something that we haven't really seen since LeBron James, probably. You know, someone who can just jump out of the jump out of the court. Um, he can bang with the all of them down low. He could guard positions one through five. He is the perfect player for the modern NBA for the positionless NBA, and yeah. he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, yeah, he, it's amazing. He, he has a 45-inch vertical. And he's and 285 pounds. At 285 pounds, if he were in the NBA right now, he would be the second heaviest player in the NBA to a seven-foot two dude. So that speaks how uniquely physically talented he is. Um, And I'd compare him to Sean Kemp, uh, the former All-Star, back in the 1990s with the Supersonics. You can Uh, say even a little Charles Barkley also. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, I agree. But Sean Kemp, just because of his athleticism, uh, but I think he has a higher higher ceiling. Kemp's best season, he averaged 19.6 points per game, 11.4 rebounds per game, 56% shooting from the field. I expect even higher – a higher number of points per game. I think Kemp was also uh, limited to the inside just because they didn't really ask big men to kind of step out back in the day. And Zion can shoot shoot the three. He um, he averaged over one three-pointer made per game. So uh, Zion's the real deal. Enough said. And yeah, he's potential to be a top-five player in the NBA for a long if we, time. If we look at you know, because every, every prospect has some weaknesses. Uh, you know, he does. He's probably the least amount of weaknesses I've seen scouting all these players. But well, since Anthony Davis, I think he's the best prospect since Anthony Davis. He definitely could be, but his inconsistent shot definitely is something yeah. he needs to work on. Uh, getting a shot, getting a shot that people actually like trust a little bit, will just open up more lanes for his teammates, mo- open up more playmaking opportunities. So you know, being able to hit the deep shot, being able to make people bait on his taking the deep shot, that's going to change his game a lot. Yeah, also, even if he doesn't develop a consistent three-pointer. Right, one that people will, like, hesitate on. I, I, I still that's think, all they need. But I still think, given his incredible athleticism and ability to draw fouls, he needs to improve his free-throw shooting. And I think that's really all he has to work on. I mean, Giannis has shown that you really don't need a super consistent three-point shot. Uh, but Giannis improved his free-throw shooting exponentially from his rookie year to now, which allows him to be a much more effective scorer. Really, the only weakness that Zion had was three-point shooting wasn't great, but really free-throw shooting. He uh, he shot only 64% from the 
from the line. Um, he was two of five in his last game against Michigan State, and in a close game where Duke lost by one point, that that ultimately was the difference. So right. Zion, incredibly few weaknesses. Let's get on to the number two pick, and it now seems almost certain that this guy will go number two to the Grizzlies, given that the Grizzlies recently, today or yesterday, just traded their all-star point guard Mike Conley uh, for a lot. So the number two pick will be John Morant. Right. Yeah, I mean, self-labeled the point god. Uh, It's uh, a point guard that we haven't really seen come out of a draft class in a pretty long time, probably since John Wall or Derrick Rose or someone like that. Um, he's just the epitome of a, a what a what a team wants in a point guard. You know, yeah. he's a he's a pass first guy. He could he, but he at the same time he can score with the with the best of them. You know, he always has his head up. He's the most high IQ, one of the most high IQ players I've scouted. You know, he just has all the tools that is that he's ready to just make an impact right away. And uh, you know, Memphis has given him all the keys. You know, now having Mike Conley out, they they said take, you know, take it and run with it. And uh, he's he's going to do something in Memphis. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Morant, I think John Wall is a perfect comparison, given that um, Wall has improved his three-point shooting. He's still not a great three-point shooter. Th- around a th- He's a career 32% three-point shooter. Um, in Morant's last season, 34% from three. So really that's his one slight weakness, even though um, he has the ability to make a shot probably more than Wall had coming out of college. You know, Morant, elite-level athleticism, highlight real dunks, and also a remarkably good passer. The only guy to average more than eight assists per game in college this year um, at 10 assists per game. So I think Morant's going to be incredible. I think uh, he's going to make multiple all-star teams and become a top-five point guard in the entire NBA. Yeah, if we look at the weaknesses of him, too, um, like you said, the shooting is definitely – uh, probably his weakest part of his offensive game, but also just the turnovers. He's he's, he's turnovers, just like uh, you know John Wall and, and all those guys were coming in. You know, being an erratic point guard that's you know highly <clears throat> physical and highly athletic. You know, you're prone to point uh, a lot of turnovers. So he's definitely gonna have to cut that down, just like all of them had to do. But also at the same time, when I look at it, his release is a little slow at times, yeah. especially above uh, taller guards. So that might make him run into problems. He might have to switch that up and make it faster or something like that. But other than that, you know, he, uh, Memphis is getting an unbelievable player in John Morant. I agree. Okay, third overall pick. Uh, as long as the Knicks stay in this spot, but even if they don't, uh, this guy will most likely be picked third overall. Uh, R.J. Barrett out of Duke. Um, I compare him uh, to Jimmy Butler just because – I think he can do a plethora of things. You know, he averaged 20, uh, 22.6 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, and 4.3 assists in his lone season at Duke. And Butler has shown, especially, you know, in his great season in Chicago, turned him a huge payday in 2016, 24 points per game, 5.5 assists, 6.2 rebounds. So I think also I think uh, Barrett's, like, overall offensive game is similar to Butler. In that, they're both they both seem to always be able to get to their spot and seem to favor the mid range game rather than the three point uh, game. Although Butler and Barrett are both capable, they're not super high percentage from three. So I think Barrett's going to be a really good player, um, and I think the Knicks are getting a good one, especially since they're slated to miss out on 
the top free agents, given that Durant um, got injured and Kyrie's most likely going to the Nets. Yeah, I mean, you know, preseason ranked, he was supposed to go one number of one overall before yeah. his teammate had a crazy outburst uh, of talent. You know, RJ Barrett, he's definitely the best offensive player in this draft. You know, his ball handling mixed with his ability to score anywhere on the court. It's unmatched, and it makes him a lethal option to come into the NBA right away and get a team 18. You know, he's he's ready. He's a he's freakishly athletic, and he allows like it allows him to finish through contact, allows him to hit tough mid range shots. Yeah. Defensively, Barrett's like much better than people think he is. You know, his wingspan, he's he's quick. He he could, he has all the signs to be a very good defender. You know, in isolation and spot up situations. Uh, but some weaknesses I see, you know, at points he does have that, you know, scoring tunnel vision. Uh, I agree. He's, he's, you know, programmed to just score at times and he's not really looking to play make. He's not looking up and not, you know, really using all his resources on offense, even though he has them. And at the same time, he, he like, uh, his defense is still a little questionable at times, but like I said, his wingspan and his quickness can definitely help him in the the next level and then one thing i saw also is i didn't really see a very you know crazy motor like everyone else like all these other top prospects he's very quiet he's questionable motor you know i I didn't really see the heart of the game like i did from a lot of other people but at the same time you know that might just be the spotlight of duke and you know zion taking all the spotlight and stuff like that and you know rj barrett's gonna be an amazing scorer in in the nba as a Duke fan, I disagree with your point about the motor, but I do agree that he does. He can sometimes get lost on defense, and he also is an inconsistent shooter. Um, he only shot sixty-six uh, percent from the free throw line this year, and thirty-one yeah, percent. And that's three, definitely something which he has is to alarming. But ultimately, that's I think he can work on that. And while I don't think he can be a number one option on a championship team like Zion, like top five player in the NBA, like Zion can be, I think he could be a great number two. Um, and become a quasi um, Dwayne Wade. Okay, Okay, so next, uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans, they recently acquired this pick from the Lakers in uh, their trade trade of Anthony Davis. Uh, We have them picking Jarrett Culver. Um, I think Jarrett Culver has some of the highest upside of any player in this draft. Uh, given that he's freakishly athletic, a really, really good defender coming from Texas Tech. Um, he also has shown the ability uh, to knock down spot-up threes, uh, play, off the, play off the dribble. And, um, and, yeah, I think he has all-star potential. And I would compare him uh, just in terms of measurements and ultimately overall potential, uh, Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics, um, six, seven wing, great defender. And, um, and I think he could be a really good player to pair with, um, to pair with Zion. Yeah, no, I, I Gover is one of the best players in this draft. You know, I, everyone's talking about the top three, but Jericho Gover is probably one of the most complete players to come into the NBA from this draft. He's, He's probably one of the most gifted players, you know, defensively and athletically. You know, he, he showed in a pre-draft workout with the Lakers. He has a 45-inch vertical. His defensive upside is through the roof. You know, he's probably the best defender in this draft. He's <clears throat> he's probably the best on-ball defender in this draft. He's also just has a high IQ for the game. He's always he, he always knows how it went to, you know, help 
to help defensively or stay back. You know, he's probably one of the only prospects that he has just all the intangibles of boxing out when needed to be uh, taking, taking charges, uh, doing all that other stuff. He's probably, he's just one of the most complete players, but at the same time, his inconsistent offensive game is probably his biggest knack. Um, He, you know, he's still, his deep shot is still coming along. You know, it's not something to trust right now. He's a liability sometimes, you know, on the drive, but like you said, I, I do agree with uh, Jalen Brown. I said Jimmy Butler for this one. Um, I just think it's it's those kind of guys that came in as defensive minded, that but that are just athletically gifted, and he's kind of like that. But and he that athletic uh, gift can really help him propel his offensive game. Yeah, I agree. And he showed he showed, um, you know, he definitely showed that he had a capable offensive game at Texas Tech. It's not like he he just wasn't as consistent as other guys like Barrett and um, and John Morant. Yeah, I know. So I just, like, why. if you look at the championship game, you know, he, he started to – Yeah, he did struggle. Uh, I agree. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so next we have DeAndre Hunter from Virginia going to Cleveland, and I would compare him to Andre Iguodala. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is arguably – he won ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and – he is one of the best defenders in this draft. He's long. He's athletic. He's strong. He's a ready-made uh, NBA body, given that he is a redshirt uh, junior. So he's a little older, but he's also strong and can come in and, I think, uh, make it really tough on the star players in the NBA right away. Uh, he's also a capable shooter, uh, from, from, especially from the quarter. You know, good three-point shooter. He shot around... Um, 42% this year, and that's a little better than Iguodala, but you know, they both don't really look uh, to shoot, especially off the dribble. They don't really shoot off the dribble. They're more spot-up shooters. You know, Iguodala averaged, uh, two point, has averaged 2.7 three-point uh, shot attempts for his career, and Hunter shot 2.8 three-pointers this year. Um, they're also good athletes. They shoot a high percentage from the field. They can get to the rim, and I think Hunter will develop into a perennial all-star um, during his prime, similarly to Iguodala. And he's a great team player, as illustrated at Virginia, given that he brought them their first championship. And I think he'll be in the league for a long time. He'll be a really valuable um, contributor to uh, to a championship team. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he's probably – he's definitely one of the most safest picks in this draft. Uh, he's just a founda- he could be a foundational player in this NBA. His shooting touch along with his just quickness for his size is is crazy. He's probably one of the most laterally quick defenders and offensive players in this draft and he's 6'9". So it's insane to think about. But at the same time, I think what you see right now is what you're going to get. You exactly. Know, he's, he's not he's not getting better. He's not becoming a Kawhi Leonard. He's 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 you know, I compared him to Harrison Barnes. He's he's someone that could could you know, space the floor for you, for you play defense uh, night in and night out, and, you know, just be an off-ball stud. But it's he's not going to – I don't I don't see him coming into more than that. You know, he, he doesn't seem like he has that high of a ceiling, but he has a very high floor. I agree. I agree. Okay, so number six, we have Kobe White out of UNC to Phoenix. Uh, he's a tall point guard at 6'5", and – he showed incredible shot making at um, at UNC. You know, high level shot creating, step back three pointers, 
uh, really good off the dribble, can get to the basket, given that he's, uh, he's very quick. He's not an elite jumper, but can still obviously get above the rim. And, you know, given that he's a tall point guard, he can, um, you know, he can get away with not being an elite athlete. Uh, but, you know, given that he's a great shot creator, he's also, uh, he also can force things. You know, his, he didn't shoot at a great percentage this year. Uh, he also is an inconsistent passer right now and turns the ball over a little bit too much for my liking. You know, he had 4.1 assists at UNC this year to 2.7 turnovers. Not great. And I'd compare him to uh, Reggie Jackson, the point guard on the Detroit Pistons. Good, solid score, uh, quality point guard, but ultimately probably won't um, go into that top 10 point guard echelon. Um, and, and yeah, he'll be a, uh, he could become a perennial all-star given that he still is a young player and he could still improve his vision. But until he improves his, improves his vision, I think he's kind of at the Reggie Jackson level. Yeah, I mean, Kobe White's probably one of the most questionable prospects in this draft. You know, if you if you asked him months ago, he was probably in the 20, 30 range. And after the March Madness, he probably he crept up and is now all the way up to five or six or seven. And it's it's basically because UNC has two years ago changed him into a point guard. He was a shooting guard. So I, to me, I don't even label him as a point guard. He's more of a combo guard. Like you said, he's not really there to make assists. He's not a playmaker. He's, he's just a scorer. He's a, he was in the 95th percentile in catch-and-shoot threes. He has a great fadeaway that he goes to probably too often. But it's, he's, he's a blur in transition. He's probably one of the fastest in this draft. Yeah, definitely. And he, he, could make, he can get right, like, right away offense for you, but he's not going to be that playmaking point guard. And that's why a lot of teams have shied away from him because they want a playmaking point guard and dropped a little again, but <clears throat> he's supposed to go to Phoenix because it's reported that, well, the, at this, in our mock draft, they have Darius and Kobe being able to be there, but they haven't worked out Darius. They haven't worked out anyone. They've only worked out Kobe White. So wouldn't be that surprised if they pick Kobe here. And, you know, he has great potential as a combo guard in the NBA. But I don't know if they could really pair him next to Devin Booker and hope that he could become a playmaker. Yeah, I agree. That's two shooters at, um, at both guard spots and also limited defensive players. You know, Booker's not a good defender in his own right. And right. White didn't really prove himself as a defender at UNC. So, so yeah, I think um, it is a questionable, questionable pick if they – do go that route. Okay, next up, we have Darius Garland to the Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah. Point guard out of Vanderbilt. He's an elite-level shooter, and he can also go to the basket. Uh, the, the only thing is his season was cut short after five games uh, before he – or, well, after five games he tore his ACL. But in those five games, he really showed some, some great things. Shot 54% from the field and 48% from three. Uh, the real question marks around, surrounding him are durability coming off the ACL injury and also his passing. You know, he had more turnovers than assists. So he's he, sh- he showed, obviously, small sample size, but he showed to kind of be even more of a, um, even more of a poor decision maker than Kobe White. So I think he's a boomer bust prospect. I think ultimately he could develop into an all-star. But um, given the small sample size in college, he could also be derailed by injuries and poor decision-making and kind of uh, find himself as a backup point guard who 
will come in for instant offense, and if he doesn't get a shot going, he'll revert back to the bench. But I would compare him kind of going between that boomer buff um, spectrum, and I put him at Lou Williams. Um, he Lou Williams has uh, developed into a great sixth man who, although doesn't really create shots for others, is an incredible three-point shooter and has great quickness despite his kind of slender frame uh, getting to the basket and shooting at a high percentage. You know, he averaged 21 points per game this past year, Lou Williams, and was the leading scorer for the Clippers. So I think Darius Garland will be a really good player in the NBA. Um, I'm not sure if he'll reach the all-star level, but I think it's a pretty good pick for the Bulls given that they have needs at point guard. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm probably going to have to disagree with you a little bit here because I'm definitely a Darius Garland stan. Um, <clears throat> coming out of Vanderbilt, you know, I watched him all year. He is he was unbelievable in the five games that he played. I know it was a small sample size, yeah, but I do understand that argument. All year, it wasn't that hard to watch him because he only played five games. <laughs> right, but if you looked at what he did in that those five games, he shot 45% from three. He was in the 99th percentile in jump shots and 92nd percentile in pick and roll situations. He was hitting from five feet behind the three point line, like continually. And he, <clears throat> the way he could, compared to Kobe White, how he could control that offense. I know he wasn't a big assist guy, but in those five games, he was having a lot of uh, hockey assists. He was creating a lot of playmaking abilities. Like I said, he was 92nd percentile in pick and roll situations. He clearly knows how to accurately depict a pick and roll situation where players are going to be where his shooters are going to be and that's a big thing in the NBA because NBA pick and roll is probably the biggest offensive play um I, I think this guy has elite written all over him you know I I, I don't want to listen to all these other scouts telling me that after one to three this draft you know drops off by so much and that they think Darius Garland all these other guys are just role players I think Garland could be a star in this league and I compared him to Damian Lillard you know I think I think he has that potential 100%. Okay, well, we can agree to disagree. Okay, so next up, we have Cam Reddish going to Atlanta. And this is a guy who has sparked major debate between Aaron and I. I'm a lifelong Duke fan and watched almost every one of his games. And I think he's incredibly overrated. And I think... He will, despite, I do, I do believe he's a good defender, but, and obviously he's a 19 year old kid. He has really incredible tools given that long wingspan, six, eight, um, relatively athletic, but I think he'll develop into more of a three and D wing. Uh, I think, I think my, or my player, player comparison for him is uh, Trevor Reza. Really, uh, I think, Reddish, Reddish was terrible this year. He, he shot 35.6% from the field. And for a 6'8 guy to, to shoot that poorly is pretty remarkably bad. And 33.3% from three. And he committed nearly three turnovers to two assists per game. And also, despite his height at 6'8", he did not have an impact on the glass. Uh, he only averaged 3.7 rebounds. Uh, I do think he can become a good defender, and that's why I think He'll improve his he, – he already has good mechanics on this three-point shot. Um, so, I think he'll become a, a consistent three-point shooter and he'll become Trevor Reza. You know, yeah, like you said, it sparked a lot of debate. I think uh, I think you changed your argument a little bit because you were saying that he was pretty trash. But 
regardless, uh, I do agree with some of the points you made. But I, my big point was everyone talking about what Cam Reddish is going to be like. And then everyone says that he created uh, – he, he was only a spot-up shooter in, the, in Duke. It's just wrong. He was in the 33rd percentile in spot-up shooting. You know, that's, that's pretty subpar. That's not his game. And it wasn't his game. And the, in the system that Duke played, they didn't use him correctly. And I think that he's a very downhill – be great in transition. He scored 40% of the time in the transition. He's in the 38th percentile in transition. He – he he could finish well at the rim. He, I I know he was he was a little inconsistent at that, but I think given the tools and the players around him and shooters around him, I think he can flourish. And I think in Atlanta that would be the perfect place for him, paired with Trey Young and um, John Collins taking Terry Prince's spot. I think it's perfect for Cam Reddish, and I think it's perfect for a place for him. Okay. Um, okay. Next up, we have Nasir Little going to Washington with the ninth pick. And I compare him to Thaddeus Young. He's a little undersized for a um, for a power forward, but he's um, he's an incredibly uh, athletic uh, guy, and he's also um, he's a good shot blocker. He brings a lot of energy when he comes into the game, and although his shot was inconsistent, he showed an ability to shoot the the three. Uh, I think Little will become a solid rotational piece, uh, and I think he'll average between fourteen to sixteen points per game. Uh, yeah, so I think it'll be a, a solid NBA player, but for the ninth overall pick, maybe it's a little high. In my yeah, opinion. I agree. I think Washington's in, they're they're in a they're in a tough spot right here. You know, a lot of the good players they they kind of already gone. They're at the the brink of where the tiers kind of drop off, and at the same time, they don't have many assets to move up because they don't have any assets to move up, and then Bradley Beal's too much to ask for something that's not the number one pick. So. They're they're in a tough spot, but I think Nasir Little makes sense here. I think he's someone that has high potential. He's he's definitely a prospect they need to work on, especially on the offensive end. But he could definitely, if he comes to uh, to his potential, he could definitely be a great asset next to John Wall and Bradley Beal, and really explode that defense that the Washington doesn't have at all. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, next to Atlanta at the tenth overall pick, uh, we have them taking. Uh, a center out of Georgia, and not Georgia the state or university, but the country of Georgia. His name's Goga Badatse. Um, he's six eleven, and I'd compare him to um, I'd compare him to Yusuf Nurkic, given that you know he can he can shoot from the outside, good post moves, and I think he'll be uh, he'll be a good solid rotational big, uh, starting caliber on certain teams and. Um, and yeah, he'll be a be a good solid player. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are aren't sure about Goga, and a lot of people don't know much about him. You know, we saw as the picture uh, of the draft uh, interviews yesterday, uh, today, or yesterday when Zion got all the credit. But Goga, he, he's a great player. He's young. He's six eleven, two fifty, and uh, he can pass with the best of them. He can shoot from the outside consistently. Uh, I would even compare him maybe to a poor man's Nikola Jokic, and I think anyone who gets him. Could, is getting a really, really nice raw prospect that could they, they could really mold into someone like Jokic. Okay. At 11, we have Romeo Lankford going to uh, Minnesota. Uh, he's a guard slash forward out of Indiana. And he uh, he showed flashes this year at, um, at Indiana. He's long, athletic, 
Uh, but his shot was inconsistent throughout the year. And I compare him to Kelly Uber Jr. Uh, Uber was in the G League a little bit in his rookie year. And I think ultimately he'll find his niche and start to play well, start to score uh, score well, probably come up between like the 13 to 16 point points per game range. Uh, but it'll take him a little time. He's a little raw. Uh, so that's what I think of Romeo. Yeah, I mean, Romeo, he's definitely uh, an intriguing prospect. You know, Minnesota at this place, again, they're looking for someone that could really help the chemistry of their team. You know, they're really lacking. They have a lot of free agents this year. And I think Romeo, he definitely has the ability to do that. He's a he's a gifted scorer. Um, he's someone that could just compile points right away. And he, he was a little inconsistent at Indiana, but, you know, when the right system and with the right people around him, he could be a go-to scorer and someone that could just be a, an every-night scorer for Minnesota. Okay, next we have uh, Jackson Hayes the center of, out of Texas going to uh, Charlotte. And I compare him to Clint Capella, given that he's a good shot blocker and he also shoots a really high percentage. Average 2.2 blocks, 23 minutes of action this year, while shooting 73% from the field. Uh, could be a really effective roller to the basket uh, if he has a really good point guard to set him up. Uh, yeah, but so I think in, the certain, in a certain system, uh, he can become a really good player. Yeah, I mean, Jackson Hayes is probably the, the rawest prospect. He's a... Uh... He's an insane rim protector, but he has little to nothing on the offensive end. And uh, But at 6'11", uh, 11, and 219 pounds, someone can mold him into a great rim protector and a great person that just to uh, ex- help a defense just take the next level. And Charlotte definitely needs anything that they, they can help, especially if Kemba leaves. And having a, a center, a rim protector to build around is a great way and a great asset in this NBA. Okay, at number 13, we have uh, Seku Dumbuya yes. um, to Miami. He's, uh, he's French, 6'9", forward, and he's a little raw, but, um, but he has a lot of talent. Um, I compare him to Pascal Siakam, given that, you know, very athletic, um, good going to the basket. He's not a selfish player, but he has scores mentality similar to what Siakam flashed in the finals. And um, and I think, you know, although Dumbaya is raw, raw, I think, you know, he'll ultimately uh, become a really good player like Siakam, given that um, I think a team will stash him in the G League, have him work on his shooting, uh, improve the consistency behind his three-point shot, and, uh, and bring him back up to uh, first to a bench role and, uh, and then to a, uh, to a starting role. Also, I think we can't overlook the fact that Dumbaya still hasn't even turned 19. He's only he's turning 19 um, in this next NBA season, youngest player in the draft. So I think he has a lot of room to grow, and I think he's really talented. Yeah, no, I agree. I've done a lot of uh, scouting on Sekou. Uh, I think Dumba is it's definitely one of the rawest prospects. He he doesn't have a high IQ for the game yet. He's uh, he's just a transition scorer right now. You know, he's someone that's just a blurring transition. He's like he he fills lanes perfectly, even with the ball. He's just a grab and go guy. At at six nine, he can grab the ball and go right away in the transition. That's a valuable asset. But at the same time, he's he's just his high his IQ isn't really there yet. And like you said, people can you know use him as a prospect and build him up. And I think Pascal that is a good comparison. But I think his shot is is better than where Pascal was at nineteen. But I also uh, compared him to Arsano Lasova because he does use that perimeter shot a lot. You know, he, he uses it maybe too much, but he has that in his arsenal. And he, 
other than that, though, everything kind of revolves around his athleticism. And he's going to have to learn how to use that as a skill rather than surround everything around that athleticism. Okay. Uh, to finish out the lottery and finish out this episode of The Sixth Man, we have uh, Boston at number 14, uh, taking Matisse Thibel out of Washington. He's a guard, and he is a mirror image of one of the guys they have on their team already, uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, he's an incredible defender, best defender in the entire uh, NCAA last year, especially in that Washington 2-3 zone. Uh, he averaged 3.5 steals and 2.3 blocks this past season. Um, and I think he'll develop into a really good 3 and D wing, uh, kind of similar to Marcus Smart. He plays really tough. He's mature. And he, like you love to stress, he, um, he possesses all the intangibles that are necessary to becoming a really good NBA player. Yeah, definitely. I think Boston's getting a great player here. At the end of the lottery, you know, it's, it's questionable, especially with everything going on in Boston and everything imploding. He's definitely someone that could come in and help the chemistry right away and play right away and be an, a, just an interior, a, a perimeter defender that could excel right away. Okay, so there you have it for our lottery. Um, we will be back to give you some sleepers for the rest of the first round and the second round that we have in our mock draft. Um, Okay, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sopanel like Lou Will. Six men like Lou 